and I must keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Everybody and welcome to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast episode 352, where me and my man Jason are going to go through a bunch of books as we expand the coverage and get things back on track. And I'd like to thank Jason for helping me do that because he cracks the whip. He ends up saying, we're doing it now, let's go, whatnot. But I think that things will be a little more expanded. And that's still with Clay and Brandon checking in as well. But it should end up being so the show comes out every Thursday night, which it is supposed to. And this episode's pretty big because me and Jason are going to talk about pretty much the big book that came out this week, Venom number 1. But then we'll also be doing some other things as well. But before we go off to that, let me tell you, and remind you to go to the Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us, we'll follow you back. And then go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, where you can get a ton of shows as well as support us for the things that we do here on this feed. One of the big shows that we do each and every week is the Marvel Comics Patreon exclusive spotlight, where two books are picked by the bad asses of the Get Fresh Crew. Beep, boop. And this week they ended up picking. You know, some pretty big ones. The Thing, number one, the new book that came out from Walter Mosley and also Amazing Spider-Man, where me and Claire are going to be going through that Kelly Thompson deal, see what's up with Morbius and Ben Riley and all that sort of things. But as we always do, we're going to start right now by giving a, a shout out, a little roll call, if you will. To those badasses that picked those books, because those are big, big books, I tells ya. And here we go. We got Ted Probst, I Love Punchline, Michael S., Forrest Pauly, Cam, Joseph Wojcik, Matt Razor, D-Man 3000, Lady Abby, Matches Ballone, Niels Tewart, David Fink, Joey Bercasco, Stephen Baum, Tony Walton, Jason Colby, who will be joining me later, that's Jason C., also Sue 42 to you and me. Right, Michael G, Ken Halleck, Comic Boom, Araki, Cellar Dweller, Mark Jaeger, Aldrin Stoja, Nick Adams, Ruben, Carlos, Lone Wolf, Marv, Luke Hollywood. Ah, Luke Hollywood, what a banger! Simon, Luis, Manship, Anthony G, Andrew, Swanee, Josh Vermillion, Dalton Edom, my man Pete from NYC, Batman Beyond, Mark, my man Rob Lewis. Brandy Murray, that's Beamer, that is Brandon, still upset that his Bills lost to the Jaguars and double A-Ron up there in Minnesota, who's used to Minnesota and his Vikings losing to just about everyone, as I am with my Eagles. So there you go. Little shout out, little solidarity, me and double A-Ron. But with all of that said and done, it's time to get on with the podcast. It's time to get on with the show where, like I said, we're going to start off with Venom. I was thinking of putting it at the end, try to force people to kind of stick around and wait, but there are show notes, so you could kind of go to there anyway. So let's get on with that. 
uh, right about now. All right, and here I am with my man Jason. What up, Jason? Hello, Jim. Hello, and we're here with a bunch of books this week. I don't know, is it the good, the bad, and the ugly? I don't know, but we have a week of big number ones. And Venom being one of them we're going to start with, but also the thing that me and you have already talked about and scratched our heads with. We had a fun little conversation about yeah, that. over on the Patreon Spotlight. Yes, yeah, so we're going to hash this one out as well. And, and luckily, and this is an oversized first issue, and luckily, it, it's pretty good. I do like it. I even yeah, saw I really some like people... It. So some people throwing shade at Brian Hitch's art in this, which I did hmm. like. I a lot of people were saying they wanted more of a horror type art with it because it's such he has a clean style, I guess. Yeah, it's more maybe realistic isn't exactly the word, but yeah. But it, I don't it, mind yeah, it. I think I it like looks it good. Yeah, I like it. And uh, it looks pretty uh, horrific to me in places where it's supposed to. Yeah, really. And with that, I was worried. I mean, here we go. And I'm just personally not a huge Al Ewing fan. I know he has his fans. I'm not a huge Ram V fan. He has his fans as well. And why I tend to go away from them is a lot of times Al Ewing gets too cosmic for me, which he has the cosmic part of this. So no. all this is leading. Ram V and him both end up doing heavy narration, which is a thing that and somehow it works for me. Here. It's, I actually it's certainly it. possible that all the things they're setting up, and there's a lot of things, it could all spin out of control. But so far, it looks pretty good. Yeah, I actually, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. I actually, you know, and it's not one of those things that I go into a book like, oh, my God, I want to hate on this and I'm going to yell and scream or whatever. But I, I have my trepidations as I go in and I'm like, I'm like all right, I, I think I might like this. So and with that, too. You end up having, and I'm surprised, I looked at some of the review scores, and I'm surprised they're not higher than they are, but I think you're going to have some, you know, pushback at people who are, you know, fans of Donny Cates' Venom pushing mm-hmm. back at this, and then you're going to probably get, and I think even more so, the idea of because Donny Cates is doing Hulk. So you have that back and forth, and I think you will now, have some pushback at first. It's not a sharp break with what Donny Cates did. It's really pretty smooth con- you know, con- continuation of that story. Clearly, Al Ewing and Ram V have a new thing they want to do, but they make the transition quite smoothly. I mean, if I read this and and uh, didn't know what the, uh, the writer had changed, it would seem, you know, I- it, this could you. be a, a new Donny Cates issue. Exactly. They're, he They don't end up saying, okay, that Venom stuff you got from Donny Cage, screw that. No, the basis of the story is from the that. The status quo is the same? The character voices sound the same? Yeah. I think we're going to have more of a problem when we go to the Donny Cage Hulk because the Immortal Hulk was its own little thing. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's you, hard to see where you pick it from there. They kind of tore down the whole universe. Exactly. So I think that you might get more of a... But, but Donny we'll Cates see. has that weird deal. I like Donny Cates. A lot of people don't like him maybe, just Maybe Donny like Cates' him. play will be to be just completely different. And and I think that that might be the best suited for the Hulk book after that Immortal Hulk. Like you said, it kind of ends. How do you ends, follow that? Then, yeah. yeah. This, you had set up and you go with it. So, and really set up. And, and I'm thinking... Was that just the baton toss over to Al Ewing, who really does like to get cosmic with things and basically gives them? And just before I do the credits here, just to get everybody on board, the Dylan stuff that's the on Earth, you know, deal, that's Ram V. The Eddie stuff in space, that's Al Ewing. They're mm-hmm. doing that separately in one issue, but it's kind of seamless. So I, 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 I like it. Venom number one is written by Al Ewing and Ram V. 
Pencils by Brian Hitch, inks by Andrew Curry, colors by Alex Sinclair, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Years ago, Eddie Brock was a reporter whose career was ruined after the Amazing Spider-Man revealed that he had falsified a story. Distraught, Brock contemplated suicide and went to the church to ask forgiveness in preparation for taking his own life. Instead, he found a kindred spirit, a existential paras or extraterrestrial existential parasite now i'm getting like out that spider and inadvertently brought to earth and rejected after discovering its true nature sensing brock's hatred shared hatred of the wall crawler the creature bonded with him and the two were joined recently i discovered that he had a son dylan kept secret by his long deceased ex-wife and away in the weeks that followed dylan has been at his father's side and faced down serial killers and space gods and it's true now the fellow has left Dylan as the host, the only organism that once inhabited his father, binding them not only by blood, but by venom. venom. And, yeah, and so you have this, and if people didn't read The King in Black, didn't read the Venom book by Donny mm-hmm. Cakes, I think that they will be a little confused at first, but I think that eventually, if you are somebody like that, you could stick it out, read this. You know, read yeah. the free comic book day, maybe even just read. I went back and reread issue 200, and that yeah. sets up everything you need to know yeah. from this. Yeah, I think that it is so. Don't be worried like, oh, I didn't read all. Because you may get intimidated thinking that, oh, King, King and Black that had like 80 issues. I can't. No, don't worry about that. Read issue 200, even You'll be that good to go. free comic book. And, and eventually it'll become its real own thing with that. But basically, just remember, Eddie is the whole deal. As the you know, King and Black himself, it, it explains now. that pretty well in this book itself. Al Ewing, you know, lets you know what's going on there. And when you end up having Dylan, one if he ever in, in the beginning, you kind of see he's in chains, he ends up having chains when he does go with the actual Venom symbiote. That's his Eddie's look. Yeah. things. Yeah, so Dylan says that all the coolest characters when he read comic books had chains in him, so his Venom's gonna have chains. Okay. He read Spawn, is what he read. <laughs> I mean, that, that's basically what it would be, Spawn I think, right? Or, uh, yeah. And it is funny, people even thought of the idea because he is Eddie Spawn. There's a lot of stuff. It's kind of funny with the deal, but that's cool. If, you, if you're going to ape something in a Venom book, Spawn is pretty yeah. cool it, to it do looks, that. It still looks like Venom, but there's a little difference to let you know, okay, something different here, which is yeah, great. Yeah, it, it, it is a good tell, and I, I do like that. Even when he's, he's uh, his web is like when he's swinging through the town, he's, he's swinging on what looks like chains. Just neat. So that's cool. And so with this, you start out of time in the book itself to probably, you know, the end scene where you end up having, mm-hmm. you know, military showing up at this burning hotel. You start in chaos. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just craziness. And you end up having the Venom symbiote there with, with Dylan. And the big thing is Dylan at this point has been told not to bond with the symbiote as much. And the symbiote has been going off on its own. He, he says this later. To mm-hmm. Eddie, but really, well, you have that think, set up here. I don't think in 200, coming in, he was told not to bond with the symbiote. I think it says here, I wasn't supposed to bond with the symbiote, and we don't know why. We don't know yeah, what's we don't going know on. Why. We know there's chaos and guns and helicopters and motels on fire. And so Dylan, as Venom, is there, and something something's hit the fan. And he's running into this motel again. This is something big because it is on fire and he's trying to get through. He's trying to run in and he's trying to find his father. And then you end up, boom, where's my dad? Don't tell me what to do. And then we go into space. Now, I will tell you one thing with this is my only little bit of an aside of what I didn't like 
I don't know that I love Ram B's Dylan just yet. And even if it's just the idea that I'm mm. confused about not bonding, you know, some of the things being thrown out here. But he, he ends up in the art with Brian Hitch. He ends up, he seems a little older. I, I don't know why or what it would be, but he seems a little older that. to me, yeah. which is fine. It doesn't ruin anything. But it just felt the Dylan part. How old is Dylan? Do we have a do we have a number? I, for I don't him? even. I don't. I don't even think they actually spelled out. And if they did, I was thinking he was like fifteen. He's. I, I guess he seems like he looks like early high school. Yeah, I, I go. Yeah, fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, probably. probably that. And and he is having problems in school, which we saw before as well. But. He has he has issues. I mean, he ends he's, up. He's in, got a bit of a life going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and really, they really play off the idea he has fought serial killers and space guys. First up, serial killers. That's carnage. It's not just serial ki- and space gods. And here's this kid who's trying to figure out things on his own because, yeah, Eddie is the king in black. He's the king of the symbiotes, and he's out and about doing things. And this first scene. Pretty much, I think, is just to set up with, and I'm talking the first scene with Eddie, is to set okay. up the idea that he he doesn't need a symbiote now. He's the king of them. He jumps between them. He has all these things going right. on. Right, so we, we jump to Eddie in space, them. and that's 12 hours ago. So this this crazy hotel scene with Dylan, that's in the future. We're going to get there. We're, we're just told up front, some crazy stuff's going to happen. So you hang, hang on, we'll get there. And now we see 12 hours ago in space. Yeah, and it's, it's again, to show you, it's space pirates. It's fun enough, I guess, for a Venom book. It's not supposed to be, you know, a jolly good time here. But you do see that Eddie is trying to make good with the symbiotes. The null right. just rip through. And, and really, that's one of the things that kind of got left in the wake of the King in Black, that as null was going to earth he was just taking over and destroying planets i mean he really left some destruction going on so eddie is trying to make it so that universally the symbiotes aren't looked at as bad right they're, they're almost seen like galactus yeah yeah, yeah that really. same kind of that's image. what it was like yes exactly so he's going around and trying to save some people actually plays off a little almost like a green lantern core yeah at, at points right so they go and there's this ship that has supplies, you know, an aid type deal. And it's being taken over by pirates. They're trying to figure out, okay, we're going to go in here. Let's find these pirates. Let's get the survivors and go. And it is where you get little Beatles joke where he yeah, ends up. It's neat the way they, they show how there's these four symbiotes and Eddie can jump back and forth between piloting any one of them. So they have their own consciousness. But he can, because he's the king in black, he can just pop over here, pop over there, see through your eyes, whatever he wants to do. And again, you have four of them, so he's going to use the Beatles again, old people's music, Luke would say. But (laughs) everybody should know John Paul, George, and Ringo. I thought that Al Ewing, who is a big Beatles fan, I saw, I thought he was going to make some jokes with the band. Like, I wanted more Beatles here. That's just my thing. And Al could have. Won me over completely. He uses <laughs> he it could enough. Have won you over and alienated everybody. Exactly. Nobody would have known right. what was going on <laughs> when they're like, you know. But you would have been happy. Oh, I would have laughed, popping into Ringo and like, oh, Ringo, you're always, you know, never get the respect you need. Beat it, Ringo. Yeah. yeah. Ha- have John Symbiote start arguing with Paul, and then Paul <laughs> argues with George. George quits. All these things going on. You don't get that, but alas, no. Yeah, you do see though, like you said that. They can go around on their own. They have their own consciousness, but then he can zip into them. And it's cool. 
And it's done well that you don't get confused, even mm-hmm. if you don't know the Beatles, you still have, okay, I'm going to go to Paul. Right. And the the look of the symbiote changes when Eddie pops into it. So you can tell where he is, which is cool. Yeah, they find the space pirate. But we also see that something else jumps in kind of at the same time. We see one of the symbiotes kind of talk a little funny. Eddie doesn't see it. We do. And his eyes glow red. So something's gone amiss with one of these symbiotes. And that's a big deal. And you end up where... Again, you're showing everybody that people in the galaxy, they're mad at symbiotes, the king in black, all that. And they end up where one of the aliens is like, vengeance for the dead of Largo 4. And Eddie's like, I, I don't know what that guy's saying, but it's pretty much the same old <laughs> tune that we keep <laughs> he, getting. And we're trying to do the point. Yeah. Yeah. Now, with that, that's the problem. He's going around and he's trying to make the symbiotes a good thing, looked at as a good thing. But there's always like. These guys are never going to think that. You know what I mean? Like, sure. yeah, you're saving the ship and the supplies and the crew or whatever. But these space pirates, you're just, you know, pretty much putting an exclamation point still on. Oh, I'm going to have to fight you and kill you. So it's going to be a tough thing for them to, you know, for Eddie to make Venom and the symbiotes in general being a good thing. He's, he's got a hard PR job. Yeah, it, it's not really going to work out as well as I think he hopes it will. And you get this nice juxtaposition of there is Eddie and the symbiote deal fighting space pirates. We're and then we go and... Like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and then Dylan, he's getting a lot of fights at school and you get that cool deal. Eddie's not around. He's no, and, out and in Eddie, space. He seems to have kind of lost track of Everything. Time doesn't mean time, right? Because he's he's this cosmic, infinite being now. So he thinks, oh, I'm I'm sure Dylan understands. It's I'm sure it's fine. And then we see Dylan does not understand. Now, one thing that I'm I'm wondering, and even reading this, I don't get the sense of it. I wonder if they're going to deal with that idea that Eddie isn't really equipped to be the King in Black, and he was aging. And he's, you know, I think that mm-hmm. maybe you have to push that aside to, to have the book last. The, the Spire, I think it's called, like a little bit later, but they don't they don't hit it hard. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's you know when he goes, and that's the hub and and everything with that. Um, but yeah, Dylan's having problems. They can't get a hold of Eddie. They might have to get other things involved or kick right. Eddie or Dylan out. Dylan's of getting a lot of fights. Yeah, yes. And he's kind of mad. He's angry. And he isn't being he feels the abandoned. symbiote yeah. deal. Yeah, really. And you have Sleeper there, the Sleeper symbiote, which I always, I do like Sleeper symbiote, who has been kind of his buddy mm-hmm. and somebody to talk to because you need something to play off of, especially. Right. This is how we hear Dylan talk about his situation. Right? Yeah. yeah. And without the Venom symbiote with him, who are you going to talk to? Well, you talk to Sleeper. The house is a wreck. He goes home and oh, before again, that, though, he's I mean, a kid. So Dylan buys a soda and then he throws the soda can at Sleeper. So he's litter bug too. But I hope Light Yagami doesn't see him. Yeah, hopefully be not. Trouble. I mean, that would be, that'd be trouble, a crossover. Really, that'd be awesome. Uh, also, you know, poor Sleeper. He's just in the form of that little cat. He's throwing. <laughs> he doesn't wow. care. Oh my god! I'm like, oh <laughs> man, you're really. Really pushing that you don't want us to really like Dylan at this moment, I think. 
uh, which is a weird play. Well, we feel bad for him, but we don't we don't approve of the way he's acting. But we we can understand that why he might be feeling like this. I'd be mad too. He goes back to his house, and it's, it's a, wreck, a wreck. And then he it's pizza boxes everywhere, Chinese food boxes. He looks at a picture of him and Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers isn't around anymore. He's like, man, where's Kenny? How much, how much chicken do you have to order to get a, a picture of you with Kenny Rogers? Seriously. Uh, I look up like, hey, look, Kenny Rogers. Um, but somebody's watching. And it, it's a weird play. I thought it was Flash Thompson. Now, it makes sense when you find out. Mm-hmm. We'll just tell him. It, it's the Venom symbiote who is keeping an eye on Dylan. Or is he snooping? I don't know, because it does play off that idea of everybody's abandoned in this. You know, you end up having Dylan, oh, my dad, he's the king of black, he's out in space, he never comes home. And then you have that idea that he can't bond or is not supposed to bond with the symbiote. So the symbiote is often doing his own thing, but almost feels like he's walking by as if that's the girlfriend's house. At like, you know, 12 and you're looking <laughs> to see if the lights are on and whose car is out. Oh, right. Like yeah. walks by and like, oh, what was me? But we go back to space. in space and the crap hits the fan here because, you know, the, the symbiotes do a good job. They end up getting, you know, the aliens, the space fired scrolls type deal and tie them up. And then goes off to get the survivors. Yeah, these pages, these pages look cool. They look, look kind of like Michael Allred art a little bit. It reminds me of that kind of look. And then, old Ringo, he, he went a little off the rails. I do believe this was Ringo, right? right. When he goes so, well, to was, check on it. was George. George says something bad's going on. So, uh, so Eddie pops over in, into the George symbiote, and it's all in red, like shades of red now, almost like the Deadpool book, where. You can see that one of the other symbiote, the Ringo symbiote, is something's gone wrong. Holy moly. Has just killed all of these crew members that are like monkey guys. Monkeys, foxes, something like that. Yeah, Maybe even a bit of a bat with those ears. I don't know. Could be red panda, maybe, if you're into that. You end up where, oh no, the red eyes, the glowing red eyes and the mess. Yeah, he's just slaughtered, I guess, everybody on this huge ship. So the pirates were just going to sell them to slavery, which, you know, bad enough. But now one of their rescuers has just killed all the hostages. And something's wrong. And, and that's a big deal. I mean, the corruption of the symbiote deal. Eddie ends up seeing this in these glowing eyes and saying, I have a message from the future, Eddie. I wanted to make sure you listened. And you end up like, who are you? Or like, what's going on? What's happening here? And as this is going on. You just get the steel and you tell them what it is, this big threat as this this symbiote then just kind of, I mean, it's almost like the Thanos snap. It's a very, it's kind of a generic, vague, here's the worst thing in the world coming to get you kind of threat. There's no specifics. It just says, you know, you're on the throne now, but soon your throne will be empty and doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to beat you anyway. The end. And I'm going to get your son too. I mean, it is the wicked witch. You know, I'm going to get you and your dog too. And then, and then the visual is kind of cool, and that that symbiote just starts. It looks almost like a like a Thanos snap situation. He starts to turn to dust as he's still talking, and he just crumbles into this dust, and he's gone. So he can't ask him no follow up questions. No, and they get out. They're like, oh my god! And the other symbiotes are even like, what happened, Eddie? What's going on? What's happening? Because he's like, everybody, we got to get out of here. And I like this play where I thought actually you were going to get like space police show up and like, oh my God, what did you do? But yeah, <laughs> right. they got to get the hell out of here. This didn't go well. Let's go. We're out. And yeah, they, they fly out there. And this is where you start getting timings 
and the idea of what's going on, uh, you know, and even like time jumps, swipes, all the stuff where you go to dad's sighting. Right, we're back home with the sleeping Dylan. Yeah, and Dylan's sleeping. You have the sleeper symbiote there on his bed, and you have Eddie come back to the house and says, and and this makes complete sense it, from this it, Yeah, it certainly works. Yeah, because he was threatened. Oh, my God, Dylan, I got to go get him. We got to get out of here. And he goes, Dylan, Dylan, wake up. Now, is it a thing where, as he's saying this, you do get red around that one bit, or is this that he's yelling, or it's it's just a weird play here? Yeah, because, I think I just took that as just being yelling. Yeah, I yeah, didn't, so I didn't did I. Anything crazy? But there. He's like, damn, and he's talking without his mouth open. That's just the thing. He's like, Dylan, wake up! What, Dad? What are you doing? You know, oh my God! Hey, you need to pack your things. We're leaving. Let's go. Pack your stuff. We got to go. Yep. And he asks him, where's the symbiote? Where's Venom? Yeah. And and Dylan says, oh, you know, he goes off on his own. He kind of does this thing. And I haven't heard any sort of news about it. It's like he's really putting trust on the Venom symbiote at first, really. Like, I'll wait to see if somebody's brains are being eaten or there's weird murders. And then they, right. they're all like, go. Like together, they did just murder Jack O'Lantern yeah. in issue 200. But I think we're sweeping that under the rug a little bit. We're, that was Donnie Kate stuff. We're not going to talk about that. And he's like, yeah, nothing's going on. So I figure, yeah, what the heck? He's, he's doing his thing and whatnot. All right, well. I'm going to look around the house while you pack and goes off. And once you read this again, I think that you want to end up putting some suspicion in this. Because when I first read, I'm like, okay, he's just, you know, let's mm-hmm. go. Yeah. I don't know what's going on here. Venom it's, it's deal. in that way. Yeah. Uh, but. There seems to be something going on. It's at weird least, because right? then Dylan's phone rings and <laughs> the phone says, call her ID. It's dad. The funniest which is thing. Weird. The funniest thing is people in this house, this is a normal thing. If I'm downstairs, I could actually yell up to my son and he get, but he'll call me. I, I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. flight of steps mm-hmm. away. So I actually thought like, <laughs> Okay, it's just calling from downstairs, but no, it, it's right, but, different. But no, this is this is a different person saying he's dad, and it's like a and, matrix type deal with the, right. You so know, this dad is saying, "Don't trust. You know, he's in the house with you. Don't trust him. Act normal, but but slip out the, your window like you always did." And this second dad seems to know a lot about Dylan, a lot, and a lot about the actual scene that's going on. Knows that the other. Dad is downstairs, knows what to say to him to say it. Like, again, right, so it's almost like you're repeating a time deal. The first, well, I, the, what I'm thinking is the first dad is not the real dad. He's some, I mean, symbiotes can look like things. So I figure this is just some villain. And now the real dad's on the phone. So he's going to slip out. And this, this dad on the phone says, slip out and meet me by this one motel, the one you know about where the burnt pancakes were, that place. So again, he knows a lot about Dylan. So we're thinking this is the real Eddie. And and Dylan listens to him and goes for it. Yeah, the, the play of, listen, don't say a word and then say, never mind, I found what I was looking for. Doesn't really play out the dialogue very well where, hey, Dylan, what's going on? Oh, never mind. I found what I was looking for. But you never really set that up like, uh, hey, I'll be right down. I'm no, that was a weird line. It could have been it yeah, was weird. Any, other, any other throwaway line would have worked there. That one feel, felt a little strange. Maybe that it's a weird deal by the end. And again, we'll have our little thoughts and stuff like that. But and yeah, Eddie like, on the phone, his last instruction is, remember, don't bond with the symbiote. Yeah, don't bond with the symbiote. Which again, this also kind of makes sense with what we saw Eddie do in space because something was up with one of the symbiotes. So you might say, hey. 
hey, kid, it's dangerous. And he doesn't know. And, and they didn't play out the full effect of this, the idea that something did enter, enter a symbiote like he's doing as well. So is this a hive mind infected thing where if he does enter the venom symbiote, can it be taken over and then he gets taken over? So it makes complete sense with that. But yeah, then. This other dad looks really suspicious. I mean, he looks really like weird as Dylan takes off and you end up having the dad on the phone. Like I said, it's like a, a Morpheus thing of like. And once again, we do we do see a black shadow that we figure out later is the symbiote watching over Ed, uh, Dylan. And you end up having the, you know, Eddie on the phone tells him very specifically, go to this place, this motel. Remember, we had. The burnt pancakes that you didn't like go there and we'll meet there. And so you end up where Dylan sneaks out. He gets his Mm -hmm. hoodie on. He goes. He's hiding. You end up seeing that symbiote deal, watching him go where the sleeper symbiote is going with him as well. According to Eddie's plan, it's it's working. And we see Eddie at the motel. So, again, we think, okay, it's all coming together. This is what he wants. And we see Eddie with the phone. So we think, okay, this must be that phone call we just saw. And so this is know, a weird Eddie transition. Searching. Yeah. You, you know, because then he says, maybe I should talk to Dylan. And but you, you just did. We yeah. thought we, and he's like, maybe I should Confusing. text him. Maybe I should talk to him. Maybe I should do this. No, no, no. I don't. He's thinking of this, you know, weird red eye deal uh, from space. And then the whole deal is he thinks and this is kind of a cool deal. And this is the idea where I think that you get a little Al Ewing. Uh, craziness and whatnot, little, where he thinks relativity. Going yeah, on if here. I can go into symbiotes, why couldn't I go and go through space and time? Let me try to do that, and kind of gives himself a whammy where he is trying to, you know, because he wants to see if this future is going to be bad. Let me see that. Let me do this. Let me go, and he ends up seeing a vision that really freaks him out. It, it is crazy. I mean, it's like eighty visions at once, and this is one of the things that I thought we were going to play with more of that hive mind of how. You could have a kind of Eddie's mind even accept that whole hive mind deal. But now you're throwing in space and time. And, yeah, it seems like it really whammies him. It doesn't. Yeah, he can't handle it. Yeah. And you see. But we do get an amazing page. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You see Bedlam. You see Kang. You see this. Is Bedlam an existing character? Yeah, I think that that's the big thing coming in here. Okay, I tried to look him up, and there's an X-Man named Bedlam, but I don't think that's related. We see Kang down in the corner. Yeah, Yeah, I think I saw a solicit with something mentioned, because I recognize the deal, but you go on But that Bedlam is this big red. He looks, his his tongue looks like Venom tongue, so he looks like symbiote-related. And up top, we see a scene of helicopters, which we don't know what that is yet, but we do end up seeing that pretty soon. So we can tell that... Eddie is seeing things out of time. He is, it says he's unstuck in time. It's, you know, a, a Billy Pilgrim Slaughterhouse Five kind of reference. Yeah. And you end up even seeing him as he's like falling into a big light at the bottom and things like that. And that's where I start thinking awesome like, page. is this the idea then that that original Eddie that came in, the dad that came in and said, hey, get your stuff. We have to go. Is that actually the original? <laughs> Eddie, and this is the idea where Eddie now realizes what the plan has to be, and originally he messed up, and now he's got to change it. I don't know, because like, I like you that said... Theory. I had not thought of that. I thought they were just, you know, symbiotes or replicants or some other fake Eddie is sent by the bad guys. Yeah, you can always have these dupes and whatever, but... But maybe they're all the real Eddie. They're just Eddie's at different points in his timeline. And he has to change Which, things. again, that's, that's the, when I say it out loud... 
that's a very Al Ewing thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Again, the Eddie that called then was a different Eddie, even than the one that's right there in the in the because it didn't seem like that was the same Eddie even in the motel. No, because there. now now this Eddie in the hotel goes to call Dylan, and we think, oh well, maybe this is the phone call that we that's saw. That's what I thought. But yeah. no, this this phone call goes to voicemail. So he doesn't. This Eddie in the hotel does not want Dylan to come to him in the hotel. Yeah, and that's the weird thing because the 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 voicemail now shows that maybe this timeline has been all like he should have been there, but now he's already there because all in all, this Eddie thinks that he shouldn't be there, but he should be. It's all wacky. We'll have to see. But Dylan's there. Dylan shows up, walks out of a bus. Eddie sees him and says, "Uh oh, this is bad. You see those, you know, the military helicopter with even the line. Of what they're going to do, and yeah, they just start blowing up the motel. Right. This Eddie. is where we. This is where that first scene in the book came from. This was that action scene. So Eddie runs out, tries to save Dylan. The helicopters start shooting missiles, and there's this huge explosion, and Eddie's all blown up. Yeah, he has to be blown up at this point at this deal because it looks he's like right he was there. hit by like seven Hellfire yes, missiles. Yes, and now, that'll leave a mark. Again, he's the king in black, but still, and that's when you end up having this shadowy figure, which is the Venom symbiote, come and save Dylan, knocks him over, and then they bond, and you get that deal from the I like the, the picture beginning. of uh, the symbiote wearing a red baseball cap. Yeah, I, I like that, funny. too. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and yeah, you even have the military there trying to get in the motel at this point, and then you end up having... The bonding, but again, don't bond with the. It's all crazy here. Yeah, this 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 effort to go get Eddie and Dylan. It's a huge, massive operation. It looks like you know government size operation. Look at the the helicopters just crashed. It's burning because you end up having you know Eddie. Eddie's blown up, but Dylan in the Venom symbiote attack that. You get some pretty cool pages, and you do see him going all out. But then again, you see. Eddie falling through time again, it looks like, into this void, into a... It it gets wacky. I mean, it is getting wacky here where then he ends up in this alien landscape deal where, you know, you have this big giant character. cosmic garden. Again, very Michael Allred looking with strange plants, strange colors. Yep, and welcoming to their garden. And we think he's dead, but he kind of reconstitutes himself as a symbiote, I guess. And we see this new new guy, this new character, Meridius, who looks like a symbiote, right? He's black with the white on him. He's got, not sure if those are horns on his head or it's almost like spider legs on his head. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy, the look. It, it looks like very galactic, like the head deal. You know, you have that mm-hmm, cosmic mm-hmm. deal, but does look like it's something. And is this going to be like... Well, you thought that Noel was the beginning. You thought Noel, and is this going to change this to be that this is some other sort of symbiotic thing, the gods of symbiotes, the god of the gods? Right. So I guess Eddie's body is dead, but because he can do this cosmic projection thing, that's not a big deal to him anymore. He gets consciousness, can just jump into, I don't know why it specifically goes here. Was he drawn here by Meridius somehow? Is unclear. Is this heaven? He says it's, you know, welcome to my garden. Is this a symbiote? Heaven is just something weird. End of all that is. You know, it's very, very very cosmic. Uh, And then you end up where you go to Eddie's clubhouse, you get some letter deal, and then the next issue, and then you do get one page. Little post credit scene. Yeah, yeah. a little absent throne, undisclosed location now. 
and, and they we see, have we see the Eddie. skull. <laughs> yeah, you see the charred remains of Eddie Brock. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, you end up having this meridian. So it begins as it always yeah, so does. We Doctor. see at a different time and place. It looks like the same Meridius character. With this, like in the last place, she was with, or he, I guess, was with the consciousness of Eddie and the symbiote. Here, Meridius is with the dead, charred remains of Eddie as well. Yep, and says all that has happened already has happened before, and now you get wacky. We're getting <laughs> so timey wimey. We'll yeah, we'll have to see, and that's that's what worries me. But I'm intrigued. I thought it was really good. I thought it was. Yeah, uh, I like, a cool I like deal. your time, your little time loop theory. It hadn't occurred yeah, to me. It has to be something with that that there's just he's he fell out of time, and now he's trying to put things together and knows. Okay, that guy did this, but I have to do that though. It ends up as they always do in those type of stories where you think that they have messed up, but it's that one path that's the craziest path will be the one to win, but we'll see. Wait, I, I think we're, as things happen, the next couple issues, we'll be looking back at this issue and paging through and saying, okay, here's where this happened, here's where that happened, and now it all kind of makes sense. Yeah, uh, so yeah, that's the beginning of a new run of Venom. What would you give it? I'm at 8.5. I like this a lot. I'm excited to see what happens next. Again, there's always the chance that this could all turn into a big mess, but so far it, it hasn't. Now so I'm, far I'm going to be more. I'm a nine. I wow. ended up like a nine for an Al Ewing book. I know, June. and Ram V. Holy moly! <laughs> that you know, it'd be great if I could say the same for Jim Zub, right? Uh, because that's where we're going to go to. But with that too. I, I think that everybody should give this a try. And if you're confused by the end, uh, that's obviously the play. The play is going right. to It's It's different from that, that uh, thing book we talked about on the spotlight where that book was confusing because it was poorly constructed. It, it didn't This make book sense. is confusing because Al Ewing wants us to be confused right now. He's setting up mystery. And will he, will the mystery be resolved satisfactorily? Who the hell knows? Yeah, we'll see. But for now, it's an interesting mystery. And if you had been reading Donny Cates' deal, King of Black and whatever, you know kind of the concepts. Yeah, again, you even said if you just read that 200, you'll be on board, you'll go. But I'm willing to wait and see in something that is going to be a, you know, a, a series. Uh, you end up having that thing book. Again, we talked about it on the Patreon Spotlight. That's just a mini, and you can't start those with confusion because they're already you're already fighting an uphill battle with you're that. You're on the clock. Trip. That that one I think is like six issues. I think they said. Yeah, and that's it started so wacky. But we're going to go from a huge book to a book that's not that slightly big. less, huge. and we're going to get through this pretty quick. I think. Uh, did you catch up on all the rest, or did you just read this issue? Because I I read like the second half of the previous issues just to see what the Sunfire setup was. All right, thank you. I, I didn't want you to go back and read all this because this book is not good. It's Avengers <laughs> they're, they're, Tech they're on quick Avengers. Reads, though. Yeah, they are quick <laughs> and. The art has a style to it that is okay. It gets confusing yeah. at points. It's and clear fights. to me that this is trying to be a Marvel manga, and it's more about the art. It's about giving the artist excuses to to draw the Marvel characters in these. What do we what do we call Sentai. these? Gun, Gundam. Yeah, it's Sentai. like the Sentai deal, and yeah. that's all it is. I mean, that's all it is. That's fine. That that's something that happens. But there's a not lot. much story. No, you have to it. do something a little more. Make it seem like you're doing something besides mailing it in, like you said, and setting up. Because each issue is exactly the same. It ends up where you have 
just this this formula. But it's, here it's, it's, it's oh, we're so, losing, so I create a new attack. Oh, but then he creates a new attack, and and now yeah, we're gonna it, get another character. Yeah. It's it's Avengers Tech on Avengers number four, written by Jim Sub Art by Jeffrey Chamba Cruz, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And it says the Red Skull used shards of the shattered Infinity Stones to de- depower every superhuman on Earth. To fight back, Iron Man created customized battle armor for all the Avengers. The Red Skull soon unleashed a giant mechanized version of Loki upon Hiroshima. <laughs> okay, so I read that sentence in the recap went, okay, I know what we're doing. Yeah, I, Avengers, I get it. So Here the we Avengers are. were able to defeat Loki <laughs> with the help of an unexpected ally. Mecha-Loki. The a mutant battle fire, the Red Skull. Then ready to next strike against the Avengers and Army of Robotic Ultrons. Every now, issue. Those last two words, Robotic Ultrons, as opposed to all the other non-Robotic Ultrons. And, and so <laughs> each of these issues ends up being, okay, you end up having everybody pissed off at Tony. Tony, you're keeping secrets. Then they get a call. Oh, my God, there's an attack. They go to get this attack get their butts handed to him until Tony then reveals yet another Hail Mary secret that saves the day, pisses everybody off again, and then you mm-hmm. go back to Red Skull in his, you know, area deal saying, oh, my God, I think I'm going to now make, and always says it's part of the plan, now I'm going to make this, and each one ends with the same deal. And we've even had up to this point, Jim Zub's run out of things because we've already seen an attack with a venom and now he's doing it again but all of this ends up being so surface level ridiculous nonsense it's just words squished together so black panther shows up and this attack is the vibranium ims cascade okay now now here's the thing too even the beginning of this you set up that this is after the avengers defeat thanos they end up destroying the Infinity Stones. But that let dust in the air that the Red Skull grabbed. And it's not quite the Infinity Stones, but it can do things. He ends up saying no more powers, okay. like, like a Wanda. And yet, right away, Tony just gets the same thing that this dust and makes mecha suits that give them their powers and then right. you just, it's just it's, an excuse to draw the mecha yeah suits. it's nothing here and so when you go with this of the idea of a well we just have to keep going until he doesn't have the dust oh the dust well at the beginning you did have t'challa go off and say we're gonna go collect some dust now ourselves that's why he comes back here ah. and just like hey but even so you get yet another Hey, uh, Friday, I think we need another Hail Mary. You know, what issue is this? Number four? Our fourth Hail Mary. Let's go. All right. Now releasing Iron Shinobi Squadron. And what I get with this, too, in this is, unfortunately, some of the things should look cooler. Some of the things should be given a little more space in the deal. Things get all muddy and confusing in the fights. And they're just fighting an endless supply of Ultrons until it's not endless. And T'Challa shows up and pretty much in my mind to be an old guy uses the smart bomb and defender to just blow up everybody around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom. And then comes down. Now, with that, why isn't anybody mad at T'Challa who basically does kind of what Tony does? Hey, I was working on this thing on the side. But even then, Carol, we're going to talk after this. You know, Because every character here has one character trait. So Iron Man has the we're mad at you for secrets character trait. Uh, Black Panther is just cool dude who cool can do dude stuff. Cool dude who shows up out of nowhere after three issues and blows everything up. 
Uh, but yeah, you end up, I'd like to. Oh man, Tony, we're going to talk to you about these, you know, secret things that keep saving our lives. We're really mad at this. Also, anything like right here, the Shinobi Iron Man squad, right? Does that seem anything that Tony wouldn't do? You know what I mean? This is his thing. This is yeah, all he, he does. He builds killer robots. It's, it's at one it's point exactly they were, what he does. They were mad at him for building these mecha suits that they're wearing now. At one point, why are you doing this behind our back? He's like, this is my thing. In this, he even says to Carol, "You can walk through the factory. I was making it. I had some." And he always says, "I had some downtime." When this is a worldwide craziness where he just goes back and tinkers around, but yeah, you know, at the end, then you end up having <laughs> Red Skull. Well, looks like I'm going to be making more of that venom deal with my IMS energy and then wax his assistant and you end up having it go out. And now it's it's scream. But really, like we already saw that this is so bad. It's the, so bad. The format of it really feels like a very early, badly dubbed like Japanese rubber fighting suit TV show. Where at the end, at the end, you always get that one scene with a villain in his lair saying, I'll get you next time. You get you get Mumra on uh, Thundercats, that kind of scene. Red Skull is Rita from Power Rangers, even. I mean, it really is just yeah. this thing of screaming and yelling and getting the next big deal. But at this point, every issue is exactly the same with just another cat. I get it. You said at the beginning, when you read this, you're like, okay, you're just going to throw out mecha versions, different versions. But all right, but make something that's worthwhile. You're, you're doing this for a paycheck. You're de- don't get lazy with this. Just make it something. Even You could even say, think back at Secret Wars, the original one. That was made to sell toys, but at least there was some effort into it, and it ends up being something that people go back to. Nobody's going back to this. This is so bad. Uh, what would you give it? I know that it's tough to give it a score because you just read this one, but what would you give it as just this one? I'm just out of five. It's like, whatever. Okay. There's some cool pictures, some not so pretty pictures. There's no plot. It, it does make me I don't laugh. Know, I don't know who this is for. I guess it's it's for people who collect every book that has Mecha in it, so they'll buy this one too. If you're a Sentai fan, a Mecha fan, I think this is an insult to you. This is Jim Zub saying, like, oh, those people are so stupid. We have to follow the same formula. Please. I, I guess maybe at something you could think that they'd come up with toys for this because they'd be cool. But really? Like, this book isn't selling anyway. This is just, it's nonsense. We're going to go to the next book. Oh, God. It, it, it always makes me giggle, though, it, it, because of how bad it is. So at least I get that. The next book, though, Deadpool, Black, White, and Blood, number four. I have like this Deadpool book and and you can you can say it as well as I can this whole black white and blood type deal we've had a bunch here at Marvel and DC a lot of them don't hit in my mind and yeah you'll change colors for yeah, different I think characters Deadpool is the best of all these limited color books and I I don't think it's because of the art I think it's because Deadpool works really well as a short story right we for a Deadpool story we don't want a ton of backstory we don't need to know the exposition. We just want to take this crazy guy, drop him into a crazy situation, have him make jokes and slash people's heads off, and then we don't need to know the epilogue. We just cut it off. It's done. Punchline. Move on to the next one. And Deadpool is perfect for that. Kelly Thompson just had a Deadpool run. I didn't like it at all because she tried to – it's one of those things. If you're going to do Deadpool now as a series and a, a regular book – 
you are going to maybe be tempted to be like, okay, I want to do a non-fun Deadpool that is more. <laughs> and that doesn't you know what will happen? Maybe when Tom King's done at DC, that'll be his big return to Marvel. The Tom King Deadpool. I would, I would read a Tom King Deadpool. Actually, I think I would too to see what goes on. I think that <laughs> from here on out, I really would wish that if they're going to do a Deadpool, I like the anthology deal. It doesn't have to be black, white, and blood. That's just yeah. A we don't need here. a whole Deadpool continuity. Deadpool as a character isn't a long-running continuity concept. He's a joke in a good way. Yeah, he's and a he fun knows joke. he's a joke, so that's like, the fun of it. It's like it. Ambush Bug. Do we want a, a, a whole run of Ambush Bug in his past and future? No, we want the jokes. We want the violence. We want to get out. Why do they should have an ambush like green, white, and blood? Something like that. Or, or you know, something <laughs> weird. Black, white, and green. Uh, but yeah, you have three stories as you usually do with this. The first one's Christopher Yost writing with Martin Cucello on art and Mattia Iacono on colors and VCs Joe Sabino on letters. The art is usually good in this. I mean, the art is, and it is. The oh, art's yeah. good in this. All and three has great art. You end up with the gimmick of the red, and I think it plays out well in this. Now, you're going to have some things going on where some people will try to get a little fancy with the red or whatnot. <laughs> this is just showing blood, but also blood as the Kool-Aid man who's a dinosaur. And again, that's oh. so ridiculously <laughs> fun. This This story was my favorite individual story of the whole week. I laughed so hard so many times for the short little story is so good and the way that this plays out is so good and it works with deadpool is the idea and he goes you have aim being controlled by a new guy and this is a guy who loved the kool-aid when he was a kid and it always it satisfied him anytime we we don't know this up front it's set up to be this he's been hired by aim to kill somebody doesn't usually work for aim but they're giving him some stupid amount of money so he's here that's all the setup we need to know Deadpool killing somebody for money. And it's good Great. because I li- I even like the beginning with the random aim, you know, people that have named Deadpool's working with them, all that. And then you play off that idea. Yeah, aim usually gets these people in charge. You don't really go through psychological. It explains why aim's always so <laughs> nonsense. But then you end up and this is where it plays and out. No one well. will say who who they're hiring him to kill. They're like scared to say his name is like a Voldemort kind of thing. Something so horrific must be going on here. And we see the the director who created this guy is, you know, nutty aim guy who's been tied up by his own aim guys. Carl. Carl. <laughs> Carl is having know, that problems. That made me laugh. Yeah, really. Oh, Carl. Uh, Carl. And, and really, I do believe it is Carl with a K, which you know that's trouble. That, that no spells good. trouble. You end up having the Kool-Aid man, the devil. We get, we get the page dino. turn. Yeah. He says that Deadpool says, I'm going to paint the town red with that bad boy's blood, whoever it is. And then someone says, oh, it doesn't have any blood. And then you turn the page, and we get our second Kool-Aid Man panel of the day. But this one's on purpose, and this one is funny as hell. Yeah, and it's, oh, snap, as he comes through yeah. the wall, so and he's a dinosaur. He's a dinosaur Kool-Aid Man holding a dinosaur Kool-Aid Man pitcher. Aw, snap. Bust through the brick wall. I love clapping. the idea that there's Deadpool, who, who knows that this is, you know, oh, you go get sued for this. <laughs> So that's fun. <laughs> you don't have to go Super full fun. out over the top. At one point, you do end up where I, I laugh where this dinosaur ends up. The Kool-Aid man. We'll just keep saying anyway. But, uh, you know, you just want somebody to talk to him at some point because he keeps busting through walls and stuff. Everybody runs. But, yeah, you, you get this explanation of Carl 
when he was a kid. Ooh, when he was at the birthday party that nobody was paying attention <laughs> to him. He ended up being thirsty. It's always this whole thing for thirst and all that going on. And Deadpool is just like stuck in this, like, really? Like, this is what's going to happen. And even at one point, it's okay. Well, I'm going to take him down. Time to go sugar free. And then the, the game goes, they're like, really? <laughs> like, that's what you came up with. Listen, I'm from the 90s. I got to get something. And then like <laughs> he starts to attack. And then, oh, man, I should have saved that for this. And then he also ventures assemble, but assemble really quite. It's fun. And you do get to this point where you see that Kool-Aid guy, Dinosaur, doesn't want to be a monster. Says that the only thing he really has problems with are walls. Also doors I would throw in there because he thinks that is, but it works out. And you end up having Deadpool like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I should have talked to you beforehand. I should have figured this out. But, oh, well. Because he's taken his his, uh, whole bandolier of grenades and put it down the dinosaur's (laughs) transparent gullet so you can see inside his his, his Kool-Aid. He just explodes. He he starts to say, oh, snap again. Oh, he's going to say, oh, snap again. That's the best. Oh, snap. Boom. (laughs) And then this is all over everybody. Oh, yeah. It, and it's gore, but it's not gore because it's not actually blood. It's cherry Kool-Aid. Yeah, it's cherry Kool-Aid. apparently it's pretty tasty. Yeah, they say it's tasty. And then you end with a full-out red pen. It's good. It's fun. That's, that's what I expect from, from this book, but also from Deadpool. Just to have fun like that. Then we go off to the next story, which I was looking forward to, me and you. You know, people don't know on the manga side of things, we are big, or on the Marvel side of things, we're big manga things. And in fact, we have a Death Note podcast. So we end up really, you know, digging the manga. So when I saw that it was the writer uh, and the artist from the Deadpool Samurai manga, which it's coming over here, I was all excited. This is almost just an idea of let's get a commercial for this and remind people not to pirate it. Mm-hmm. It's a commercial, but again, with Deadpool, it's it makes sense that Deadpool would make jokes about "Don't pirate my book." Yeah, exactly. And it's it a samurai version. It's called. It's written by Senshiro Kasama, art by Hikaru Yasugi, letters by VCs Joe Sabino. One thing that I wish that this had. And I first off, I wish that it started out reading right to left at a bit. Yeah, and then have Deadpool get a little confused and that maybe would be play with that, yeah. like play with that a little that he changes yeah, it. Yeah, you don't have a whole lot of pages to play with, though. I guess that would that you, would take you don't. Space. But it's it's fun enough, and I hope that it gets people to maybe check out because he Deadpool even says it's one of the most read comics in all the world in 2020. It came out in Japan. It was huge, and in it, if you aren't aware supposedly deadpool goes through and it's almost like the idea of deadpool kills the marvel universe it's pretty much deadpool okay. kills the manga universe where oh. all might i believe shows up like they really go <laughs> over the top with things showing up and deadpool interacting with them so that's pretty cool this one guy that's with deadpool then mentions like well you know you could say that it's you know the most read comic but it's because people pirated they didn't buy it deadpool gets mad shoots him right between the eyes and then we go off to a story that is just going to be pretty much the tropes of a manga. You're going to mm-hmm. get a bunch of things where Deadpool's talking about the word bubbles, things like that. But if you're reading this and you're like, well, the transit, this is it's a parody of it. It's, it's kind of a weird deal. If you're trying to get people to get involved, who don't like manga. And then you kind of play with the idea of, you know, just the next big thing showing up to fight and this, that. It does get a little disjointed, but I liked it. I thought it was pretty fun. I liked the art a lot. 
Oh yeah, the the one page where uh, Deadpool gets punched in the face, which is super. I mean, that is what manga art looks like at its best. It's kind of distorted with like a fisheye lens effect. And I wonder if they ever, when you're doing this, I wonder if they thought of maybe doing it black and white, but it's black, white, and red. So it's you the book gimmick. Do that, yeah, so it's the it. gimmick. So you have to do it this way. But you know. I like it. I, I thought that this was good, and hopefully people will check out that deal. Sakura Spider shows up, which is really cool. I think that she looks awesome. And then is like that, that trope of showing up, and hey, I'm Sakura Spider. I'm not a copycat. Oh, my God, all this stuff going on. But yeah, uh, anything and the villain else does say The villain does say that he knows Deadpool's one weakness, and his weakness is, that, oh, hey, Spider-Man's over there, and it distracts him. That's his weakness is he, he wants to see Spider-Man. And at one point, just as a wink-wink to my hero, you have the Detroit smash yelled yeah. out. It's like, this is the type <laughs> of where – and it has that. So that's pretty cool deal as well. But yet, at the end, basically it is, hey, everybody, read this. Don't pirate it. It's coming out. You know, the first volume one and two are out. And I – I'm going to check it out. I want to try to get it. So uh, I'll be doing that. And then you'll have Sakura Spider. So let's get the heck back to Japan. <laughs> let's get yeah, out of this, here. This was not a whole lot of a story. It was just some, some introduction to manga and some fun panels. It's fine. Yeah, which some is fun panels. Yeah. And, and just to get that word out. Hey, we have this going on. You can check it out if you like that. The last story is, and we've talked a bit about the All Red style art. Well, here we go. We have Operation Payback, Michael All Red. Write an artist and Laura Allred colors. VC Josephina on letters. This is very quick. It's a very quick, cool now, little this deal. First page kind of breaks the rules because it's not black, white, and red. It's a full color in the you know the the classic Allred style. I didn't even think of that when I read it, but it does <laughs> it completely. Now, is it that it's not net? Like, are they playing with the idea that this isn't taking place in the book? Because then he falls asleep, and that, but it doesn't make sense because it's in the book. No, right? But it's the in, ecstatic it's in stuff, and right. You, so, you, like the main action of the story takes place in a virtual world that is black, white, and red. But the frame around it, one page on either side, is is full color. And we see that Deadpool's in a movie theater. He's there to watch a movie of the Ecstatics. So, which is a book that was supposed to come out again in like 2020, but now it's coming out in. February, I was going to say, it is coming out. Number it's, one. Yeah, it's coming out soon, which is cool. Are these characters you're familiar with? No, Jim? I'm not at all. The guy on the left, who's kind of upside down with the antenna, he's Mr. Sensitive. So he has super sensitive, sensitive, sensitive hearing, touch, everything. So much that like hurts him to be alive. Okay. The guy on the far right, he is anarchist, Tyke Alakar. And his gimmick is that his sweat is corrosive. <laughs> there you go. The uh, the lady right below him with the blue skin, she is you go girl. Letter you go girl. And she's she's a teleporter. And I don't know who Blondie in the middle is. I, I tried to look through some pictures of characters. Because I've read some of this in the past, but I, I don't know him. So maybe, maybe he's the, the main character in the upcoming book. And maybe we'll check that out, even though it's kind of yeah. on the other side of things but we'll we'll do that but you end up where this whole thing it does make me laugh by the end and, and again even if you don't know those characters or whatnot basically this is the whole idea of a prank war gone wrong right these these are characters that uh the all reds have been drawing for years and a bunch of series so it's like kind of tying them to this book and we see deadpool's asleep and these kind of crazy green fingers put some technology goggles over his face and then boom 
we're with Deadpool in a black, white, and red world. Yep. And that's kind of the prank deal going on. And it's, it's fun. I actually like the spider deal. <laughs> so horrific. Where Deadpool puts both swords and it's like controlling it because he's gone through the motor functions of the brain deal, which is I, I pretty fun. I feel like we've seen Deadpool do that before. Yeah, I it think so, like very too. Deadpool it does seem do. very much. And even with that, you end up having him with the little deal. Hey, what's that, Mr. Spock? Oh, well, Captain, how's that going? Giddy up, Seabiscuit. You have those pop culture reverence type mm-hmm. thing that you always want. I love the one page where Deadpool is falling down a cliff and you see the one background with the multiple Deadpools falling down. I think that's a fantastic page. I mean, and, and this is one of those, again, it's, the art is really good. So you go with that. But you end up having dupe and all this going on where <laughs> Deadpool did the – I mean – if Deadpool's going to give you a prank, why not go classic where you end up having, you know, the pie in the face. You have mm-hmm. the bucket of water. The water bucket, exploding birthday candle. So we get we get a hint that dupes involved and there's pranks involved. And that's and then, where you got yeah. the, the whole VR glasses. And he's like, oh, my God, that's a good one. You can't take a joke. Boom. You end. And like you said, it is weird going against the gimmick with that. But yep. So the la- last page, we're back and we get the reveal that it was dupe all along. You know, get him back. And uh, so we've got the dupe speak. So it's it's kind of like a Krakoa speak. Yeah, it is. And that it's not really language. It's just a font. But it's fun because so, you get the right. Chewbacca deal. He's like, no, no, but it, like, it actually oh, is. It actually is a translation. Okay. If you if you look up online, if you go dupe translation, every letter it's like uh, a substitution thing. So, oh my in the God. first panel, he says, "Payback's a bitch." Is what he says there. There you go. And then the second time, he says, <laughs> "Look who's talking." Okay. Yeah, because he says, "Payback." Some people just can't take a joke. Look who's talking. Up, oh, good one. Done. Yep. And I'm surprised they don't push the idea that that excellence book is coming out soon. It's been delayed so much that who knows? Exactly. Maybe yeah. they don't want to really spell who knows that when out. This was written. Yeah. So at the end, what would you give this? Uh, well, I I love the first story. Same here. And the second two, I really like the art, and the story was fine. So overall, I'm giving this like a 8.3. I'm going to give it an eight because I really did like that first story. That's the main story. Yeah. And then you get good art. Then if you like manga art and if you like all red art, that's what the last two stories are about. It works out then. And that's cool. So we're going to go to the next book, which is a book that you hadn't been caught up on. And I told you, you know, you don't really have to. We can go with this. And I didn't realize that we were going to get an issue that really <laughs> showed that this last bunch of issues meant nothing. It's Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and if people have been listening to the show, I've been enjoying this book a lot. I am a Saladina Med fan, but this arc, this issue, just shows you that all this was was wasting time until you end up getting Ben Riley a little more situated in The Amazing Spider-Man so that this Miles can go up to that. Plot. Very odd, very odd. And it's, it's Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 32, and it is written by Selena Med, art by Christopher Allen, colors by Guru Effects, letters by VCs Corey Petit. And you y- keep changing the art in this book, too, as well. The artist mm, keeps I changing, and it's, it's throwing me off. Miles' life with Spider-Man is a constant battle. Supervillain schoolwork, balancing personal life with his responsibilities as a hero, son, and brother. But every time he falls, Miles rises stronger than before. Spider-Man's been busy, but not too busy for a little romance. He Woo-hoo. recently met up with Tiana Tomes. Starling for some quality time, only to be ambushed by Taskmaster. Now Miles is badly wounded and Starling has been kidnapped. So you get a bit more Starling, set it up for people who may not be familiar with her. And 
you know, make sure you realize Vulture's granddaughter. She likes to fly. She has been a villain, but she tried to kind of be a little better, but is dating. Miles was captured by Taskmaster, who likes to have a bunch of pigeons around. Uh, Somebody's got to tell him that those pigeons are rats with wings. But and you're a bird watcher. Do you do you enjoy the pigeons? Do you get mad when well, people say that? Because no, well I'm I'm gonna say these are gulls. Okay, you know, well there you go. Them, okay. You know? I still want to just rail on the pigeons. But yeah, they're probably gulls just to show you that he is on a boat. So that makes right. sense. Uh so with all of that, see that's why you're here for the bird watching technicalities. <laughs> uh yep. But you end up having it's a weird deal to have the play of birds with Starling, all this stuff where she is captured and you end up having Taskmaster. You're not going to get out. I have to say. Now, what is Taskmaster up to these days? The last I remember seeing him was in the whole uh, event crossover where he was on that Thunderbolts. He was and that. He had a mini series recently that was more of a jokey deal, which I believe was by Jed McKay, which was good. Right. Um, but even then, that was more of him being framed and, you know, you ended up having Nick Fury and him teaming up to try to save his name. But you just hanging. You know, he was around. But like you said, that Thunderbolts deal was the last, I think, big thing that he'd be doing. Um, but here, it, nothing's real spelled out well. And then Taskmaster seems yeah. like he's even going a little beyond what is normal you know, things are the idea of seeing somebody do something and he can mimic it, but now he's making equipment stuff. It's, it's, yeah. it's a little weird, I thought. Yeah. But by the end of this, the big thing is that he won't reveal who hired him. And then you get a timer where he goes, well, you guys delayed me because you have miles trying to figure out where this did not make a damn bit of sense because he's, so he's got the uh, Starling his, uh, what his client wants him to deliver on this barge. And Miles shows up and delays him for like, I don't know, a minute and a half. And then Starling freed herself anyway, so Miles did not have to be there. Nope. And then they fight. Starling gets one of her wings kind of cut so she can't. Mm -hmm. But with that, you end up just And then he announces, oh, we've got a timer. Oh, (sighs) hey, you know what? Well, actually, we can't get to the place on time. My client's not going to pay me. So I don't have anything against you personally, so I'm out. That's ridiculous. It, was, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no. that, that little delay it means the whole thing is over. It's because they didn't want doesn't anything work. to happen, except maybe we'll now, get back we to it. Are we ever going still, to find out who this client was, or was it a complete waste of time? I think it was a complete waste of time, because you're going to go then where, I mean, Taskmaster legitimately Taskmaster says, flies off. flies off with wings. Can he do that? Does it work that way? I don't think it works that way. He can't look at a jet plane and turn it into a jet plane. I mean, this is like, well, I, I watched you do this. He can't watch a John Holmes movie. and Yeah, you know, exactly. No, it doesn't I work mean, that way. Is this where you get like, oh, I, I know he doesn't physically change, but is this the idea now he could just look at anybody? It was always the idea, you know, hey, I watch football. I could be a football player because I got the moves and I got the deal. Physically, I can reenact some movements and stuff like this but he's making more equipment he's flying off just weird almost like everybody sees it's like the duplicate of them but it it felt odd he almost says oh i was here to fill an issue where uh, we don't have to fill an issue anymore so i'm out they ended up fighting last issue and i'm like okay that's cool were there any hints last issue of who no, was or no. why they wanted starling I nothing thought, i thought it was vulture i and she even says she brings up you know, some things because they've had some, you know, tombstone. She mentions all these things because of this. But she, she's just guessing. And so with that, 
you end up having this deal of, okay, we just wasted two issues. I'm not going to even tell you anything meant anything. We're just going to say this meant nothing. We were wasting. These issues were a waste right now. Just so at the end they could go, oh, well, I guess I'll get going. And you had the Beyond Corporation show up in their <laughs> flying car. Okay, this scene made me laugh. They had I like a this cease scene. and desist. Like, listen, you can't do this. The Spider-Man logo and trademark are legally owned by the Beyond Corporation. You have to cease all of Spider-Man activities immediately. And again, I just want to point it out. Miles there in his dumpy looking new suit, which I, I hate. It's like, oh, man, that's it. It's all it is. And then it's to be continued. An amazing Spider-Man number 81. The only two things I like in this issue were that, that last funny scene. <laughs> and there was a kind of a, a touching little bit where Miles gets help from some paramedics. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. That was kind of cool. That was nice. And that that is the thing that Sal and the Met is good at is those little, you need help from people. And here, people are good. People help you out. To spell it nice. out, too. He does get a hold of Riri. And that I love oh, Ironheart. I love Riri. But the problem is, he goes, dumb. hey, Riri, I need to find Starling. Founder, boom, click, click, click. you're Done, not going to yeah. like it. All right. Like, we haven't seen any sort of Spider-Man deal where there's a boat. Like, seriously. And Miles did nothing this issue. Yeah, nothing. I do nothing like the paramedics. You're right. When they actually don't go with the, oh, I'm going to see who's under. Like, they're very nice about it, and they yeah. want to help him out. So, yeah. And then they're worried about him because he ends up, he can barely walk. They help him over, say, listen, you got to relax a little. You, you're not going to be able to save anybody, even though then he's just like, well, I'm going to go anyway. But yeah, it, it, this, this was, I, I love this book. I don't love these last two issues because they were nothing. They were wasting time. They were placeholders to get to the Amazing Spider-Man deal. So I hope that that plays out at least there. But with all that, what would you give it? I'm at a 5.8. Now I'm at a 6. So like I got a 5 and then maybe half a point for the paramedic scene and then a little bit more for that funny bit at the end and I'm at a 5.8. Yeah, I'm at a 6. It was a disappointment. I see people, I don't know these reviewers, they're loving it. I And nobody's mentioning the idea that nothing happens to the point where it's in your face. It slaps you mm-hmm. in your face that basically you just made me waste two issues. Of a comic now, book. We have Solid and Ahmed written issues of Amazing coming up, don't we? Is he part, he's part of that yeah, collective. I, I believe that that will be his so deal. I, I hope those issues, I hope he was saving all the good plot points. He must have been. I mean, this just sets that up. It's so weird. All right, but we're going to end the podcast with a strange book, Strange Academy. Strange Academy number 13, written by Scotty Young, art by Umberto Ramos, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Clay Cowles. This is a issue that proves that I was wrong. I thought this book was canceled, and it's not, but it feels disjointed. Welcome to Strange Academy, where the best and brightest young sorcerers are trained by the greatest magic users in the realm, all of whom were gathered by the Sorcerer Supreme, Dr. Stephen Strange. Mr. Misery disguises Calvin's jacket, has been preying on Calvin and his friends. The Strange Academy faculty and students came together to defeat Misery, and Desi made the evil entity into a bit of a snack for herself. Gross, but good for Calvin. And the students grew even closer because of this harrowing ordeal, though things are never quite back to normal at Strange Academy for long. This feels out of place with the death of Doctor Strange, number one, because they were told to leave the school, but we'll mm-hmm. go with it. Well, yeah, they don't mention Doctor Strange here. They don't mention anything about that. So I guess we're just not supposed to ask exactly where this fits in the timeline. But I think we know that Doctor Strange is going to come back. I mean, that's no surprise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... 
with this all, you end up having again. A, you actually get a little bit of class, which we haven't had a lot of. So I'm like, I oh, like that's little, cool. The little document up front, I do the presentation sign up sheet. I like the way because I just read all the Strange Academy in, over the last week to get caught up and. Yeah, it's similar to the way they do things in X-Men where you see the documents, but again, with a, a much more of a sense of humor, this being a, a, a funnier book with Scotty Young. So you see that all the, all the students have signed up to give, to have presentations done about their home dimensions and everybody's bringing a guest except for two people. Yes. We get Doyle, who's not going to bring anyone to the dark dimension, no. which I guess we can understand. And then Calvin also nopes out. Yeah, and, and the fun thing about Calvin with that is home dimension also isn't just the idea if you're thinking Mr. Misery, because it's more of the idea that he was, you know, kind of caught in the whole system of being adopted, and it was really horrific for him. So he doesn't want to get involved with that. And he's also kind of standoffish a bit because of what he ended up doing, what happened. But the rest of them seem to, you know, accept him and want to go. But he doesn't have anything now. He's kind of somebody without, you know, a purpose or whatnot. Yeah, I guess he lost all his magical abilities. Too, yeah, that was that? all. That was it. Was just the Mister Misery jacket. That's all so he had. Does he get to stay at the school? Yeah, or? they said it seems like he's just there, and they're just going to let him because they feel like they shouldn't kick him out. It'd Hopefully, be awful me to say now. Oh, you lost your jacket. Exactly. So now you're out. You got to go out. Yeah. Hopefully okay. they end up. They, there's always ways to get, you know, hey, you had this evil jacket, but let me give you this amulet. Let me do this. Let me do that. And hopefully it is something maybe saves somebody and well, get he's, he's certainly going to try to get it back. We learned that this issue. So we end up where you have these deal. Hey, everybody. Hey, Emily, let's go. We're going to do this. We're going to go into, you know, they keep going off into these kind of like road trip type deals. Oh, but Calvin does have a, a new jacket. Yeah, he does. Kind of, it looks like a, almost like a classic rain slicker look to it, but I, I think maybe it's just a hoodie. A hoodie. Yeah, that, that's hoodie. what it looks like. And he he's miserable, but he always kind of was. But you end up where Emily stays behind. This just felt weird. She goes down below, and that's where Mr. Misery at one point was. But now we get this new kid. You know, we get Imperator. Who's there? Yeah, so we get references to all these other conversations. I don't think we've actually seen those conversations, have we? Not no, much we, at we've all. We've gotten the hints at the door, but we've never seen where it, where it goes. And we okay. even had like like one lot, like, hey, I'm in here. Okay, well, there's something down there, but not like this. So and now we find out it's this character who's from Jason Aaron's Doctor Strange run back in like 2015. Exactly. And a lot of the stuff is coming from that kind of time. But it's weird. But Emily goes in and she's kind of doing too much here in my mind you know first off she uses a magic spell to open a door that probably has so many words and things on it but can you say oh, yeah i have a note on that. you'd think it would be harder to break into dr strange's dungeon exactly now if this was where she said oh you know what dr strange is dead and all the words and charms and all this is broken down and i can go into that i can go with that but they're not supposed to be at the school if that's the case anyway but mm -hmm. she ends up going in it looks cool I love the I love Umberto Ramos's art in this when he's on the book. Yeah, it so nice. it's really good. And there's oh, you're the Imperator. I know. And it's kind of that idea of you know, did Doctor Strange at points go too far? Did he do this? And she's going to free this Imperator. Right. His his whole deal is that he is he's a science versus magic thing where he's a rah rah science guy, hate magic, wants to kill all magic. That's his deal. And and you get the editor's note to see Doctor Strange the way the weird and that is the Jason Aaron deal and it's funny too it's like listen 
you might end up saying that you hate, but you're obsessed with it. But that's kind of what we need. There's a lot of stuff just kind of like thrown out here. Like you said, even the idea of the conversations and all that stuff going on. Uh, we do go back to the rest of the kids who, you know, they're, they're checking some things out. It's more this seemed like this should have come out maybe in October, you know, near. Right. Your, we're we're at a cemetery. Right. And have that sort of deal. But you ended up pushing it. Aside. Like this might have been done. Then the death of Dr. Strange comes out. They have to throw that bit in because this does seem a little off. Yeah, this is kind of neat because this is based on a real cemetery and a real person, Marie Laveau. And it is. So they're, they're going to check out this gravesite, and it is true that in it's a tradition in uh, New Orleans that if you want to make a wish, you go to this gravesite and you put an X on her grave, and then she'll maybe grant your wish. Again, these days you'll get arrested if you do that, but that is the tradition that she lived like the eighteen hundred. She was this great voodoo queen. Yeah, and so you see that you know things went wrong. And and with that, when they're they're looking at it, like, oh, man, the wishes and stuff like that, ah, that's not real. That doesn't really happen. That doesn't go. Well, Zoe ends up saying, no, it's it's real. I, I can attest to that. And we do get some background to Zoe. Yeah, which now is we get good. her whole backstory, which we knew she was a, a zombie kind of creature. Well, we didn't know where that came from. And, and now we find out. Yeah, we find out that she ended up, you know, dying. And then they, but but she's brought back in that dark sort of way. You right, know? it's all about magic, though. So her family, she's related to the descendant of Marie Laveau. All the women in her family can do magic, except she was crap at it. Yeah. So she bought some black market wishes, and they kind of work. But then she had to buy some more. I don't know if it's a first one free kind of a deal. And then things go bad. And for some unspecified way, all those black magic wishes killed her. And with all of that, you're getting the idea that there's Calvin. Huh. You know, black magic wishes. Hmm. Black magic to get magic back. Huh. Oh, my God. It's, it never went wrong for me before. A little, little bit convenient. In, in a book where I want more background of the characters and more ca- Yeah. I don't mind this because we do get the some background. background. Story it's cool. nice. The it's background really story cool. was nice. The background story is the best part. Yeah, it yeah. is. And we get to see that the, the family was so upset about her dying that they bring her corpse to Marie Laveau and puts a big old X on it and asks to have their daughter brought back. And we get a horrific, I mean, in a oh. good way, scene where all these snakes come out yeah. and these snakes kind of reanimate her into the zombie. This is what the cool cover is from, too. Cover is awesome. So she looks like this crazy zombie, but then her mom, who is good at magic, made this pendant that makes her look normal. Yeah, it's convenient the way that it works, but you get Super the, convenient. sometimes dead is better, but it, not if you have a magic mother who can get an amulet, but that's why we get that deal. Zombie, she can end up kind of looking, you know, non-zombie deal. We get, you know, the cool thing, and I, I, I appreciated that we got that. I actually did. I'm telling you, this Imperator is not interesting to me at all. We'll see how it plays out, but we go back no, to No, he seems so far very generic. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like, why? And it, it gives, it just is such a shift from Emily in this to all of a sudden do this and then try to. Yeah, it's trying to build up the Emily character, I think is his whole point. So she goes back and she's still visiting him and she gives him this pendant that she stole from Doctor Strange. But it's still in his house, so it doesn't really count as stealing, okay? And its deal is that if you want to put somebody in prison, but you can't, don't have any prisons, you give them this pendant, and then they're in prison of their own mind. Which seems kind of dumb to give the guy actually in prison, but then she does like a spell on it, right? She takes out a book, 
and she does some green hand booga booga booga. She's doing too so much I, of the I guess booga, she's booga booga. booga. Yeah. <laughs> she's really paying attention she's in class, been there. right? <laughs> I mean, we've hardly seen any a, class. A placement, right. the, the funny thing about this is if we're going to go with this whole deal, too, and we just ended up talking about Taskmaster and all that, you're spending a lot of time trying to play. And again, I think that the timing, it's not that far away from Halloween, but this feels like just a Halloween type of deal where Emily's supposed to be. Oh my God, what is she doing? It's going to end up bad like Calvin. And oh my God. And then at the end, you see, oh, her heart was in the right place, I guess, and wants to help the Imperator to live almost, I mean, pretty much. She's giving him the black mercy. He's going to live the life, the uh, dream world, prison mm-hmm. in his mind type deal. And is that a good thing? Are we supposed to think that's a good I thing? I don't know if it's a good thing. But it looks things. like we're supposed to think it's a good thing. <laughs> I think so. And it's, it's, again, you know what it else? It reminds me of if you want to go. You know, evil type thing, Black Mercy. You could also go, this really looks like what ended up causing Wally West to go freaky and kill people but in maybe the it's Heroes like in Crisis. Net, like it's, it's like a Netflix subscription. You're yeah. in prison, but you can watch some some mind movies. This actually also happened. This has happened. But I mean, it's a, it's a trope. But it also happened in the Superman book where I think it was maybe with Cyborg Superman, whatever it was in the Phantom Zone, where they ended up giving him his dream come true so it wouldn't be so bad. But... At the end, I just think it's like, oh, we threw out the Imperator there. We'll never see this again. But I don't know. But you end up where we said, you want to push some things? Calvin just goes to Zoe. Hey, Zoe, who's this guy who grants the black magic wishes? Oh, oh you mean Gaslamp? Gaslamp. Oh, yeah, Gaslamp. Gas he says his name like five times <laughs> just to emphasize. Now, don't remember the name Gaslamp because Gaslamp is bad. So don't have anything with Gaslamp. And by the way, here's his Twitter handle, and here's how you get him on AIM, and here's a zip code. And he just he just happens to be right on the other side I know. of a fence. I actually looks thought the cool. whole the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought the whole time, like, why, why do you keep mentioning these things? You don't want him to go. Uh, but then she's like, uh, you know, why do you want it? Well, you know, I kind of don't have powers. Oh, well, no, he's bad. Gas lamp is bad. Gas lamp right over there. Look at him. He's bad. He's like. Oh, me, I don't have magic. Your girlfriend hated us. Like, right there, Zoe needs to grab a hold of Calvin, get everybody else, and go back to the, the Strange Academy and, and go find, you know, Voodoo or somebody and say, this guy's trying to do weird yeah, things. They never like, do that in this book, do they? No. No. They're always, they always, oh, we'll just try to fix this on our own. And it goes badly. And then they learn nothing. Nothing. And I love it. It's like, uh, Desi's like, hey, what's wrong? Anything wrong? No, we're fine. <laughs> like, he's not fine. And there's Gaslamp, right? And Gaslamp looks pretty cool. Has a, a little person behind him with a little, you know, little he Harlequin looks very doll. Kind of you know? Victorian Mary Poppins kind of look. He's got a, a cane with a, a gas lamp on top of it. That's kind of neat. Yeah, I, I actually think that's pretty cool. In one, I, I think it was a Dial H book in the New 52. I think that's where I saw where you ended up having like chimney man and it looked very much. It was like a chimney sweep that had a smokestack. It kind of looked like that, but it does look pretty cool. Then you go and you see everybody's partying it up. I like that you get those little blocks just so we know that's where they are. Oh, there's Irish. <laughs> but then you end up Doyle is kind of down. Yeah. yeah. And Emily shows up. Hey, did you miss me? Yeah, I was doing some yeah, things. That and, hey, we're here. And like, oh, it's all about the wishes and getting what you want and whatnot. But you do have then, like you said, the Imperator is in this dream world uh, with a family. But is that the right thing to do? I mean, 
I guess that's how you're playing it. I don't think Emily's bad, so you have that going on. She means well. Yeah. Whether it's the kind of thing where you're trying to mean well and it comes back to bite you because you shouldn't treat magic that way. Yeah, it might. Or are we just done with this plot line? Tough to tell. It is tough to tell. At the end, like I said, I like the Zoe stuff. I <laughs> The Calvin stuff is too on the nose, but again, it sets oh, some yeah. things up, and you get, oh, what's he going to do? Well, I, I, for me, that's kind of the problem with this whole book. It feels kind of weightless in that, so Scotty Young invents a problem, but you're never really worried about it because, you know, four pages later, he's going to invent a solution. Yeah, that oh, is I true. Oh, I have this spell, or I have this magical item, or this person's going to come save you. You never really feel like anything bad's going to happen because... It's one of those anything can happen because of magic books, but it just feels like, okay, nothing really matters because anything can happen. And they're kids, so you get that, oh, they're not going to do this, that, and the other. And again, I like that beginning, like you said, where you have the list of who the dimensions, hey, we're going to show us, you know, show and tell. Of the, and you get a, just a little teeny bit of class, and I, I want more of that. I want more of the classroom stuff, and it's way beyond the point where we're probably going to get it anyway. But Mm -hmm. that's where you get to spell out the ramifications, the dangers, the idea. Like you said, but this book is not about that. This book is about gallivanting around town and getting into trouble. I mean, they should be barred at this point from going to New Orleans. Not good things never happen to them there. Plus, they're just there in a bar by the end. I'm like, who's doing this? I guess it is outside. It's like an outside cafe type deal, but it really looks like. I'm sure they all have they have fake ID spells. Exactly. Yeah. Really. That's that's the problem in that one. Hey, here's my deal. Uh, and I, but I like the characters and I like the <laughs> all, book. All their IDs say I'm the ancient one. Exactly. And they're like, okay, then that, that checks. Whatever. <laughs> it, it's New Orleans. I, I've never been to New Orleans. Do they, they check ID in New Orleans? I, I, I don't know. They may not. I mean, I get is, the feeling that it's kind of loosey goosey. It's there. debauchery. But again, that's why you don't want the kids there. <laughs> not allowed to go there. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I do like it. Again, in, in a little subtle deal of coloring and stuff like that, I do like when Emily sneaks up on Doyle and he blushes. And I like when he yeah. blushes. And that, that's, that's happened nice. a few times. Yeah, that's it has. I like when it. he gets like emotional. Yep. I like that. And I like, but I want to know more. I want to have more hard hitting stuff. We're in the middle of the death of Dr. Strange. So I think that the book kind of has to, you know, probably go back to that. The next issue. This, this is not a book that really feels like it wants to be tied to Marvel larger universe continuity it wants to be its own thing which it makes sense yeah that's but then fine. they tried to tie it in with a doctor strange thing but i guess even that was only the tie-in issue if you're not reading the tie-in issue you don't know anything happen happens there and and you don't you just go with it like you said when you read this you kind of separate yourself from it and things like that now one of the things that i keep mentioning and i keep noticing because i'm looking right now yes i see that, and this happens all the time the review copies which we do get Ends up with a issue 14 on sale 12821. In the actual released copy, uh, it doesn't say that. And it, it always makes mm. me think, okay, it's because again, it's going to be delayed. It's, it's a weird thing to spell out a timing on this know book anyway. What is delaying this? Is it, the, is a Scotty Young busy with other duties? I don't the know. Artists? Do we, do we have an issue? Are they blaming it on paper? I, they haven't blamed it on anything. I just, I thought it was canceled. At one point, I think we missed three months. And that's too much for any Yeah, very early on, because that's when I fell off. I read, like, the first couple issues, and it just kind of stopped coming out. And whenever it came back, I didn't even notice. Yeah, and that's a problem with it, obviously. And that's why when we do get into it 
maybe I don't like it as much as some people going gaga about it. It's because when you wait that long and then you come back to just mm-hmm. have a one and done deal with the imperator. Okay. Like I want something more, but again, maybe I'm looking at it in the wrong way. You, you have mentioned a couple of times as we're talking here, maybe I should just look at it as it's not connected to anything. I'm not like Eric Shea who's getting all upset. Well, this happens, this it's just odd that we're in the middle of a big doctor strange event. And we already had Italian issue and this felt disjointed from that. But, Overall, maybe it is just, hey, we get the kids, we like them, eventually we'll get some issues with some background yeah. and the, stuff. The and main draw for me is the kids are fun to spend time with. They're, they're, they, they all have very distinct characters, which is nice. And the art looks The art's nice. great. So The story itself is just kind of there to have the kids have something to do. Yeah, I guess that's just the you know the vehicle to – obviously, it always would be. But you know maybe I want a little more. I don't know. But what would you give this? It's a seven. I'm going to give it a seven five. I'm saying all this. Okay. I'm a little more positive, (laughs) Uh, but I agree. I mean, it's around seven seven five. Yeah, it's. I'm. I'm glad I read it. It's fine. I. When the next issue comes out, I'll read it. I'm not, you know, chomping at the bit waiting. Oh, I can't wait to see what comes next because whatever comes next is just going to be another kind of a thing's going to happen. And then another thing is going to happen to undo it. And is is that like the design at, at, or is that because that is a better play with something delayed constantly to just kind of like, eh, we'll get back to it and we'll have this, you know, one and done, two part or no, three like, parter. S- some stories you can tell there's an end point and everything's kind of pointed towards there. This this just wanders around. But I mean, I, I enjoy wandering around with these characters. Yeah, yeah so I do it, too. I'm, I'm with you. I, I should be, I shouldn't get as, I don't get mad reading it. So I shouldn't get mad talking about it. I just, when I get mad, I try to, again, I I feel like if I start to crap on this book, people will think, oh, look at him. He doesn't like fun. But this is pretty much my bread and butter, the type of deal. And when I do get mad, it's because I want a little more. That's all it is. It's fun. We, We like the characters, but we can't care about the characters too much because you never feel like anything's really going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So with all of that, that's it. That's the end of the podcast. Again, thank you, Jason, for joining me. Thank you, Jim. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed listening to this. And you can go over to our Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back. You can tell us what you think about the show there. Also, go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, where you can support us for all the shows on this feed and get a ton more. And other things on the feed as well like i don't know this like you know death note podcast that you do you could listen to that but a bunch of marvel things as well this week the patreon spotlight picked by the badasses the get fresh crew beep, boop, beep, boop. ended up being the thing number one where we had you know quite Thanks, a guys fun thing yeah the badasses picked that and that was a wacky one and also the latest amazing spider-man with old ben riley so check that out as well but that is that thanks everybody and we'll talk to you later